The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Everyone, you guys are listening to The Element on News Talk Saga 960 AM. It is Saturday. Happy Diwali. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. And we have a kind of a deep show in store for you guys. Um, so as we all know, it's Diwali and Bandachor Deva. So happy Diwali and everything. And I hope all of you guys and your families are celebrating in a safe environment I know it's not the same. Go ahead, Thumman. I know you want to say something. <laughs> Thumman has so much to say on this. Yeah, I have, I have uh, quite a bit that I will uh, quickly get into. So, um, as we know, um, every uh, like every show that we do do, we do do a land acknowledgement. So, I'm going to start off with um, the land acknowledgement before we do proceed any further um, into further conversation because I think that it sets the basis of what we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, the work of the element takes place on traditional indigenous territories of the Huron-Wendat Haudenosaunee and most recently the territory of the Mississaugas of the New Credit. This territory is part of the Dish with One Spoon Treaty in agreement between the Anishinaabeg Haudenosaunee and allied nations to peacefully share and to peacefully share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. The territory is also covered by the Upper Canada Treaties. Today, to Toronto, the traditional Mohawk name of this area called Toronto, which means a gathering place and its surrounding areas, are still home to Indigenous people, and we are grateful to have the opportunity to meet, work, and play on this territory as settlers. We wish to express gratitude to Mother Earth and for the resources we are using, and honor all the First Nation, Métis, and Inuit people who have been living on this land since time immemorial. We are committed to learning, unlearning a better community complacency and ongoing settler colonialism while recognizing our work to advance social justice must center indigenous communities and their ongoing diverse lived experiences across Turtle Island also called Canada and um, with that being said Gurjoth we are settlers on this land uh, we we say that continuously uh, every you know all the time um, so today being the day that six uh, and Hindu celebrate, and we do celebrate it on, it is a new moon, so it is a dark moon. It is time for a new phase of the moon to begin. And um, we light up this day with lights, right? So we're celebrating c- kind of coming out, breaking chains, breaking prisoners, like a fight over mm-hmm. uh, good over evil and um, for Hindus and for, even on some level for six, right? So mm-hmm. if you actually look at the word Bandishardivas, it means um, prisoner release day. And I want to bring an important issue uh, to light, a massive issue, uh, prisons. So on the land that we have settled on and referred to as Canada, one third of the incarcerated human beings are indigenous, despite only making 5% of the demographic. Um, certain provinces, like in the prairies, they make up to 50 plus percent of the prison population. So this is an absolutely outrageous number. In fact, prisons like the great academic activist Angela White Davis says are kind of obsolete. 
So the idea investing more in prisons and being tough on crime um, has always been a right-wing talking point, just when the Ford government should have been focusing on the increasing lab capacity and working on safe back-to-school measures, they were focused on building two more prisons while renovating others. With a huge focus on the care of frontline correctional workers, which I think is very important because those people are putting their lives at risk and there's so much trauma that they are encountering. But he also said, I want our correctional officer, uh, correctional staff to, um, sorry, uh, I want our correctional staff to know that we will always have your backs. But there was no, absolutely no mention for the care of the people that were incarcerated. I want to take the time to mention that every single human being has a right to life, um, regardless if they have, uh, you know, committed a quote unquote crime. And when a person is thrown to jail, it's not doing any rehabilitation work. And when they leave the facility, not only do they have to deal with the mental trauma of being locked away from the world, they are now legally allowed to be discriminated against in terms of housing, employment, and it kind of creates a, neg- a feedback loop, right? So mm-hmm. when you can't get employment, you, when you can't get housing, you go back into the system. Mm-hmm. Um, coming back to the celebration of Bandishar Divas, uh, which also is translated to as prisoner release day, those that identify with the practice of Sikhi have an obligation to learn about prison abolition. They have an obligation to speak out about the political prisoners like Jagdar Singh Johal, who is a Scottish citizen who has now been incarcerated in Punjab for three years without a fair trial. They have an obligation to go even further than looking exclusively at political prisoners. But look at all the people that have yet to be emancipated. There is an active duty for people who practice the key to uphold the principles of Miriam Beery, which is like of... um, um, you know, your spiritual side and your activist side, and that is looking at long-term solutions to decreasing crime. And that means understanding that on one hand, it stems from divesting money and resources from communities, and on the other, it's structural racism of our institutions. That being said, everyone listening today, take time to reflect on the principles of compassion and the right to life for every living human being, regardless if you're sick or not. I think it's just something that, even if you don't necessarily agree with uh, prison abolition, I think that's something that you can go ahead and explore. But that is my mini um, talking point for the day before we do dive into our conversation. I think that actually is a great point. And I think you brought a lot of good points together because you acknowledge that what Bandichor Devas is about and kind of brought it back to now and what we can do. So it's not all about like, of course, we're celebrating, but also remember that we have that activist part within us and our, we should learn from our history, right? And then we should apply it to our now lives with all of that said guys um please be careful it is covid i know a lot of places are closed down like the gordwaras and stuff um i don't know like how much everybody's really adhering to that and i know everybody's celebrating but just know and i know probably with their families although there is a rule that you shouldn't be with your anybody further than your direct family like at home however i'm pretty confident not everybody's going to be following this so with that said keep in mind that covid numbers are increasing significantly and we do not want to be the people to add to that we do not want a community spread we just because it if one person is infected, you you guys all know within like your small group or circle or community, it will it spreads like wildfire. So be cautious, be careful, make sure you're practicing good hygiene and also make sure if you're not feeling well, don't go anywhere. Stay home. Even though you're not supposed to be going anywhere anyways, but with that said, stay home and don't go anywhere. 
And um, and on that note, we have an amazing conversation coming up. Uh, Manvinder will be joining us from Asra, which is the alcohol resource uh, for uh, Punjabis. And um, I think it's a huge problem in our community. And um, I'm excited that we're going to dive into this conversation. And on that note, uh, stay tuned. You guys are listening to News Talk Saga 960 AM. And we are The Element. And we'll be right back. Hi guys, welcome back. It is The Element on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Thank you guys for tuning in. We do have a guest with us and I'm really excited. Mavinder Kaur Gill, she's going to be joining us. She's a researcher and a community coordinator. Particularly, she focuses on the relationship between Sikhi and alcohol, understanding the historical, political, and cultural context. She holds a degree in biology and religion and culture from the University of Winnipeg and is currently pursuing her Master's of Arts in Religious Studies at McMaster University. She also works with Ladlia um, and Celebrating and Empowering Daughter, a nonprofit organization that celebrates and empowers South Asian daughters throughout through engagement, education, and awareness. Mavinder is the founder of the event series Broken Punjabi, where she creates a safe place to talk about alcohol prevalence in the Punjabi community, which has now moved onto the platform Asra, the Punjabi Alcohol Resource. Thank you so much, Mavinder, for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you on. Uh, you have such a profile and you have been in the community doing a lot of things. Obviously, uh, Gurjot and I both know about Ladlia um, and I've been following you for a while as well, um, especially when it came to your um, Broken Punjabi series. I never got the chance to attend one, but um, I was always a fan of it and I do have a couple of friends that did attend it. And so I'm always just like, tell me more. And um, happy uh, Bandi Shordivas to you. Yes, happy Bandishwar Divas to you. Hope you guys are having a a nice celebration this Saturday. Yeah, thank you. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, I've been kind of working all morning, but I'm really enjoying it. It's not like school-related work. It's more like passion project-related work. Mm. So I enjoy it, and I'm not complaining. How are the two of you? We are we're really good and I'm actually really excited for this conversation because this conversation is something that we all kind of talk about on the sidelines mm-hmm. and it doesn't get enough time um, on like platforms I believe and to create more awareness and I'm really excited to deep dive into this with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I'm happy to start the conversation or more like keep the conversation going um, on your platform today. Yeah, so we always talk about, like today, as we we're talking about, we it is a fight of good over evil. It's the fight mm-hmm. of like, you know, breaking out of this like bondage that we have been placed in. Like, you know, it could be like a physical prison or um, I think in terms of addiction, it's almost like a, a mental prison. But I'm not an expert on addiction. So my theories of it might be wrong. And it's just the way that I have uh, the, the main dialogue and narrative has been fed to me. Um, mm-hmm. I want to deep dive into alcoholism because there's a huge conversation that like you know we talk about alcoholism or addiction and we like you know put it in a bad category and people that suffer from it in like you know a negative category um, which isn't true like it's it kind of does not control you and I want to talk about what is addiction what is alcoholism in particular since that is your study 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm actually, I guess I wouldn't paint myself as an expert in addiction or alcoholism. My work um, mostly works in the social services. Um, and I'm actually right now pursuing a master's in social work. So I'm, yeah, I feel like I'm attaining that professional label, mm-hmm. kind of, but also I'll probably just sit in that discomfort of like never actually being a professional forever. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm happy to share what. Um, I do know. So um, addiction is a, it's a complex disease. Um, I think by definition, um, we could think of it as a, any repetitive behavior that can be out of control. So for a person, um, and it affects the functioning of your brain and your body. Um, addiction can also be used to explain withdrawal symptoms that a person could undergo. Um, after they stop using a substance or um, a under, undertaking a certain behavior. So particularly when thinking about alcohol addiction, um, there are kind of four ways to describe what it looks like. So it can look like a craving, so a strong desire to drink alcohol, um, or it can be a loss of control in the amount or the frequency of alcohol that you're drinking. Um, it's not being able to stop the desire to drink and it's continuing to drink even though it causes a problem. So whether that be at home, work, or socially. Um, And asranow.ca has all of this information, both in English and Punjabi. So if people do want to deep dive into it, that's all available there. Um, Yeah, I'm happy to keep chatting, but I think those are the the main components of what makes up addiction. So Mavinder, you focused on alcohol and its prevalence in the Punjabi community and we do see this a lot in our community and we do see like this is a big issue within our community. Um, Can you kind Mm -hmm. of give us an idea of where did this, do you know the historical context of like where did this this start, how and why is this cycle continuing? Yeah, so I think Um, When thinking about problems with alcohol or addiction, alcoholism, kind of whatever label you want to put on it, of course, it has historical roots. Um, And a lot of my work focuses on the second generation, so the diaspora in Canada. Um, But it's important, even when looking at the second generation, to see historically how this problem has come to manifest. Um, so a lot of my work looks at um, the masculinization of Punjabi Sikh masculinity. So I think today that would perpetuate as um, men thinking that consuming alcohol is like a vital part of their socialization. Um, it's a vital part of their masculinity. And I think, of course, it doesn't just extend to men because we all know that women drink as well. Um, so the gendered aspect of alcohol consumption there as well. Um, especially when we come to the diaspora where perhaps it is a little more acceptable for women to consume alcohol as opposed to um, at home where it is less acceptable. But I think it's a multifaceted issue um, and I don't think there's like one space we can point to to pinpoint its emergence, but I think we can historically think about individuals. So if we were, yeah, to speak to a sick individual who perhaps had a problem with alcohol, um, thinking about the intergenerational trauma. Um, so perhaps this individual 
um, underwent the 1947 partition or is a refugee from 1984 or just even the trauma of immigration itself and how that gets, all of that gets passed down to the diaspora, I think is one aspect of this like very multifaceted issue. Um, but that's what I can say in regards to history. Why do you think it affects like the Punjabi community so much when it's completely opposite of like Sikh values? Yeah, so again, uh, yeah, I don't think it's um, as simple as, uh, and I'm not saying that you're making it simple, but that is often how it's understood, that like Sikhi says no to alcohol and then Punjabi culture promotes it. So you're kind of stuck in this like, oh, well, like my Sikhi says don't drink alcohol, but my Punjabi identity is telling me to consume it and sometimes in excess, especially in like the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. So I think there's obviously a disconnect there, but also... My research argues that the Sikhi as a tradition doesn't function to set rules. Um, I think Sikhi works as a guide uh, as opposed to a rule book, if that makes sense. And this is my interpretation of Sikhi, um, and I'm happy for people to disagree with it. Um, but I think arguing, and I'm not saying that Sikhi promotes consumption of alcohol, but I think stringently saying that uh, either Sikhi or Punjabi culture views alcohol consumption in one way or the other isn't productive. Because when we do think of someone who has a problem with alcohol, I think sometimes our go-to answer is like, okay, like, I'm a chuckle, like, Sikhi says don't drink alcohol, so then, like, the issue is solved. So then this binary that we create where Sikhi says no to alcohol and Punjabi culture says yes, it's creates really like a problem for this individual who does have this problem because they don't they don't see a way out it's either Amrit Chako and become like a quote-unquote good sick or just continue in this like toxic consumption of alcohol so I think it's because of this binary and perhaps um simplistic notion that we have um that the problem does continue and we don't allow space for ourselves to see the person as a whole person um, who, who's not just dealing with this person, sorry, that they're, and they're not just dealing with this problem because they're quote-unquote a bad person or a bad sick. It's actually, it's actually very multifaceted um, and there are yeah. lots of things to consider. And I do want to ask one question. Um, what challenges are faced when addressing uh, addressing um, addiction or, uh, you know, alcohol addiction in, in our community? Um, I think, of course, um, shame and stigma. That's what we found in our work through ASRA. So ASRA is also um, co-founded or co-run by Babinji Shima who is a medical student at UBC. So the website was actually born out of a study that she conducted um, that was based in community research. Um, And it was really to ask the community what resources they need and what's preventing them from accessing resources that are already in place. So of course, shame and stigma um, came out as perhaps like the more overt reasons, but I think Um, In the research we're currently conducting, um, there's also the the lack of knowledge uh, around what a problem with alcohol looks like. I think 
uh, in mainstream understanding, it's really painted in one way, um, as opposed to kind of the four ways that I outlined at the beginning, where yeah. it's it's only considered alcoholism if you're losing your job, if your wife is leaving you, um, when it gets really, really bad. And I think the, um, the perhaps more sinister, like more minuscule ways that alcohol um, can overtake your life and can become a problem are less um, apparent. And that's also something we're trying to address. But I think there's just like so many things to address. It's a slow process, but um, it's happening. So I'm grateful for that. I love it. Um, What we'll do is we'll go for a quick break. And then when we get back from the break, we'll jump into conversation about, you know, the power of conversation and dialogue and hear a little bit more about um, um, uh, 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 the broken Punjabi event series and Asara and, you know, everything that you're doing. But on that note, Mm -hmm. let's quickly go out to break. And when we get back, we'll jump into more conversation. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everyone. You are tuned into The Element here on News Talk Saga 960 AM. We are your girls, Lemon and Gurjoth, and we are in conversation with Manvinder. And so before break, we were talking about, you know, why is alcoholism so prevalent? The four four, uh, stages of alcoholism or the four um, types, you can say it, and at, at what point we consider it an actual problem. Um, and you know, the, and the stigma around it, and our kind of um, our biases on what we consider alcoholism is. And we speak a lot about like compassion as well. Uh, you know, when like in other shows and other aspects, and how we should be going through the world and showing everyone compassion. And something that you know we should be talking about is the power of conversation and dialogue and tackling addiction. Because I think we focus so much on someone. Like I know uh, from personal experience, if I have someone that's dealing or battling with a certain type of addiction, um, most of the people around them are going to be like, "Oh, this person is battling with addiction. Um, they have this, this, and that problem." But they don't talk about tackling the issue and when they do it's very like you know you got to cut it cold turkey Mm -hmm. I'm gonna like spill all your alcohol down and like you're not gonna have anything to drink drink and cut them off and it's very draconian almost and it's not done with compassion but um that being said, Manvinder, what are, you know, you hold this event called the Broken Punjabi event series, what are those? Oh, thank you um So Broken Punjabi is just an attempt to get the conversation started. So through grad school, um, I was doing this research. I was like uncovering all of this information about myself and my and the Punjabi communities. And I wanted to share this information in like a tangible way. And I felt like me sitting in my like grad school office, like writing my thesis wasn't enough. So um, yeah, I got a little bit of funding from the university and that really helped me create a, um, at the time it was a dinner series, but because of COVID we've shifted to online conversations, but it really helped me create a space where the community could come together and just talk about this issue. Um, I wasn't, and I'm still not a professional, a mental health professional, um, but I was someone with lived experience. Uh, and someone who wanted to share that experience and her knowledge with everyone. Um, So essentially we hold right now monthly um, and sometimes bi-monthly conversations around um, themes in relation to problems with alcohol. So for example, we've held conversations around care, particularly community care, 
Um, we talk about problems with alcohol in the community more generally. Um, and our next event is actually next Sunday. Um, and it's on the uses of anger. So thinking about the role anger plays um, in in the Punjabi community, particularly when thinking about alcohol, um, both by the person who consumes the alcohol and the individuals who get impacted um, by the drinking and by the anger, um, and thinking about the various ways in which we utilize alcohol. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just like a safe space for people in the community to come together and have a conversation and feel like, oh, there are other people going through this as well. That's actually really uh, awesome and amazing that uh, you're tackling this, but you're tackling this on so many different, like, inter... Um, uh, in, what's the word I'm looking for? Introspective or type like of... like, intersectional life. ways yeah, or of it, how... Yeah, exactly, intersectional ways. Um, especially, like, even what you're going to have a conversation about anger and how anger... Can, that is, like, a big, big part of um, individuals that are dealing with... Um, alcohol consumptions and also the uh, the other side like the other party and um, how um, if you're dealing with an individual that um, may also have to deal with alcoholism and how they can potentially lash out and how you would absorb that energy so that's awesome that you guys have those conversations and I'm really looking forward actually I'd like to really join one of these conversations because as we both know and as Thumman knows this this is really like this is a really big issue within our community and the first place we can start is with conversation and with compassion can you tell us a little bit about um Asra and like what's it about and what got you started on the Punjabi alcohol resource and like what can people find mm-hmm, definitely um, so Asra came about as I was doing my broken Punjabi series um, and like I said my co-lead Babajit Gore um, was doing research in BC so I was actually supposed to be in BC this summer um for a fellowship, but it fell through because of COVID. Um, but we kind of persevered and found a silver lining and decided to go online. Um, and I think both of us really aligned in that we this issue was very personal to both of us and we really wanted to work together to tackle it. We didn't think it was helpful uh, to be tackling it by ourselves, but yeah, kind of harnessing both of our passion and our energies together to create one space. So that's kind of how Asra came about. Um, and if people want to visit the website, it's asranow.ca. So A-S-R-A now.ca. Um, and it's completely available in English and Punjabi. Um, it includes information in both languages on understanding addiction um, and harm reduction, which I think is very, very important as it kind of tackles that piece that you were just talking about, um, the like completely shuttle, like completely stop drinking. Um, so I think yeah. that for me is a very important piece of our website. Um, and it also has information around withdrawal, um, which can happen if someone does stop drinking altogether. So kind of the harm uh, and the life-threatening nature that that can take just so that the community is empowered with this education. That's a lot of why we have that information up there. Um, there are also videos in Punjabi about what addiction is, what mental health is, the benefits of counseling. And then we actually have resources that people can access. Right now, those resources are limited to British Columbia, but we are expanding it to Ontario and Alberta. 
um, thanks to our wonderful team. Um, particularly, we like to emphasize in our resources um, something we call Punjabi friendliness. So if there's, um, if there's programming available in Punjabi, that'll be noted there. If there's a social worker or a, um, yeah, any sort of community worker um, there that speaks Punjabi or is from Punjabi background, that'll be listed there. Um, so that's kind of that gap uh, in services that we hope to address. Um, yeah, and we're we're working on lots of other fun things, slowly but surely. Um, we have a, a stories section, so you can read personal essays, academic work, and like our research stuff as it comes about. Um, but yeah, that's kind of kind of the gist of what Asar is up to. That's a huge barrier, actually, when um, actually looking for resources and trying to get help for um, someone in your household, especially in the Punjabi community, is communication. Like, genuinely, mm-hmm. like, that's the biggest, biggest barrier, not being able to communicate in a way that um, an individual may be able to understand. And we find that actually across the spectrum with a lot of um, mental health or addictive issues within the community because there's very very limited resources and where they could receive help, but in a way that is understandable. Um, so I definitely commend you for doing that because that's amazing that, you know, there's more I'm, and I'm seeing more and more of it of more individuals that are kind of taking the initiative to really put in their um, energy and put in the work and even pursue it within their studies in order to really start healing these community because it all comes from a place of trauma right and Mm -hmm. really and you know the addiction starts after you know after some type of trauma so getting rid of the addiction isn't enough it's more about unraveling that trauma and breaking through and trying to healing healing as a collective healing as a community um i just have a question with everything that you learned right and all the research that you've done is there any like key advice that you would want to give to those people that may be listening right now that are dealing with alcohol addiction in their home or any type of information that you would want to share yeah, um, I guess in terms of advice, um, I would advocate for patience and empathy. And I know those are not easy things to harness or even like be entrenched in all the time. Um, it is just a nice, um, a nice space to come back to because not only does the addiction affect the individual who is going through or is harmed by the addiction, but everyone around them is also feeling like the residual impacts of that person's addiction. And that's kind of how it becomes intergenerational sometimes. And I think we do see that in our community um, or perhaps their grandparents were consuming alcohol um, in large quantities than our parents were, and perhaps it's been passed down to um, our generation. So I think, yeah, patience and empathy, both with yourself and with your community. Um, yeah, and just, time and space I know I think when you're going through finding services um, and attempting to heal yourself it does seem like a grueling and never-ending process and perhaps it really is never-ending but I think those small moments um, where where you do see the results of your patience and empathy um, I think they're so so worth it Um, And if anyone is looking for resources in British Columbia, Ontario, Alberta, and even beyond, um, please do reach out to us at contact at 
asranow.ca or um, just send us yeah, a DM on Twitter or Instagram. Um, we're on all the social media and we're happy to connect you with whoever, wherever. Um, we do have connections with people in the United States who do this work um, and in the United Kingdom and all across Canada, of course. Um, I know I'm happy to share our internal list, our working list for Ontario and Alberta um, for anyone who is interested. Um, yes, please do join the conversation. We hope we make a safe space for everyone and that everyone feels welcome. We try to make our conversations as accessible as possible so that everyone feels comfortable um, in that space. I know the dialogue just started now and we're, we're really just, it's, it's just the beginning. But what is your vision moving there? Like, what do you hope for with, with all the work and um, everything you're putting into? Like, what, what is it that your goal or hopes are for um, when it comes to tackling these issues within our community? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm happy to speak my, like, goal or my vision, my goals, yeah. my goals into existence um, or yeah, my passion to existence. I think right now I'm very happy with how everything is going. I'm happy to just provide a space for people to have the conversation, um, to learn a little bit more about addiction, to think about it as more as a more complex issue. Um, because I think growing up, I didn't have um, I didn't have a space like this um, where anyone was having this conversation. And I think that's kind of um, the space where a lot of grassroots organizations come from. Um, but I'm not the first person to have this conversation. Uh, perhaps just the first person to do it, maybe. No, not even the first, I wouldn't say that. But one of the first people to do it in a more formal setting. Um, so just moving forward, it would be to have um, everyone engaged in this conversation, um, to think about alcohol um, in a more complex way, as not just either someone is an alcoholic um, or they're not. Um, so engaging with the person as a whole, um, understanding alcohol beyond alcoholism, um, and yeah, even just creating a space where the Punjabi community can come to access resources, um, whether that be treatment or counseling um, or just a space education, I would love to be someone who can create that space. I, I do want to mention that, you know, you are doing amazing work. You are, um, and your vision is beautiful. And um, even the the way that you hold your Broken Punjabi events over a communal meal, kind of making it a community, um, like you, you do make it formal other than like, you know, conversation or workshop that happens. Because I do know this conversation has happened in the workshop style where you have like an uncle at the Gardhuhara preaching to you. <laughs> that was like my childhood, don't do drugs don't do alcohol don't drink alcohol because it's bad for you and bringing in doctors to tell you why it's going to ruin your life and almost mm-hmm. like making you scared of the fact or like you know making you rebel against it the convert like ultimately the conversation is not productive um and it just like you know grounds and it uh, regurgitates and you know re-implements and um, these biases into your mind that you know certain things are bad, and you know you kind of lose the healthy balance or whatever that you you know might you know you should be taught in life to create. 
Um, before we do go, I really quickly want to ask you about um, que- uh, a question regarding uh, folks that do not have a permanent status um, here uh, as Canadians, folks that maybe are you know refugees or international students or have visitor visas that are actually here. And as we know, with COVID nineteen pandemic, a lot of people are losing their jobs or working cash or you know the circumstances are extremely mm-hmm. hard. And um, as you know, some folks might be coping with alcoholism. Um, alcohol addiction, what resources are available to them if they do not want to reach out to like the police or go to the hospital or um, something that I guess you could, you know, say we would traditionally do? Mm-hmm. This is actually um, a issue that I am newly becoming aware of um, the cost of healthcare and kind of the facade of the Canadian universal healthcare system um, and the dangers of calling the police, both from what we um, kind of intrinsically know and, um, yeah, losing your status in Canada. Um, So some resources that I personally would recommend for such individuals um, in the Punjabi community would be Punjabi Community Health Services in Ontario. You know, they have a wonderful Sahara Addictions Program. I know INDUS, um, also in the GTA, I believe, um, does great work with people who do not have citizenship in Canada um, or, yeah, uh, visitor status, anything of that sort. They are happy to provide resources. And again, please do reach out to ASRA. We are happy to connect you with anyone to um, kind of find the resource that would be most beneficial and helpful and safe for you. Um, we do also prioritize confidentiality and privacy, um, so we do not, even internally, um, speak about the people who reach out to us. So we're happy to connect you um, anonymously as well. Thank you. And can you just once more tell everybody how they can uh, connect with you or your website and the links of all your social medias or however these resources are when, when it comes to connecting with you guys? Yes, for sure. Um, so ASRA can be found online as asranow.ca, so A-S-R-A-N-O-W dot C-A. Uh, and then we're on social media at asra.now um, or just asranow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, people can also email us at contact at asranow.ca. Thank you so much, um, Amen Vinder, for coming on with us today to discuss this. We appreciate you and all the work that you have been doing. We will uh, we will also make note of it in our uh, on our Instagram where folks can find you uh, after tuning into this conversation. We hope you have a great day, and to everyone listening, we are the Element. We're going to go on break, and we'll be right back. To stay tuned into Saga Nine Sixty AM. Hi guys, welcome back. It is The Element and we are here on News Talk Saga 960 AM. It is the end of our show and we are going to do Dear Brown Parents like we usually do at the end of our show. Um, We like to make these conversations constructive criticism. That's what I'd like to call it. It's constructive. So you take what we say you and apply it to your life if you want to and it'll constructively make it better. Yeah. (laughs) And like the the same way, like if you are a parent and you are listening to this and you want to provide some feedback you can always call us 
416-640-0200. If you, I'm just saying, if you don't agree with what or we're saying. Or you can message us on Instagram or Twitter because we know most uh, parents nowadays do have everything. Instagram. They have everything. They're more modern. Which is good for you. No you no know. hate to you. Okay? We think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Um, but dear brown parents, all right? Yeah. Dear brown parents, Mm-mm-mm. if there is already a negative environment with some negative energy, you putting in more negative energy is not going to make it better. For example, <laughs> if your children are fighting, right, and they're f- arguing and yelling at each other, you involving yourself in that fight and yelling at them to stop fighting is not going to make anything better. They're like, just going to come together and yell at you. Well, yeah, you, you'll you just turn into their common enemy, to be quite honest. Um, but, yeah, like, I don't understand. And I think this happens a lot in, like, so many, like, probably dissy households where, like, your siblings are fighting and then your parents are going to exert their, like, authority and their power and be like, you better stop fighting or else or whatever. And it's like, that's not really me. If you want come on, man. You need to, like, elevate your children and teach them better if they are fighting and you want contribute and want to de-escalate the situation it's not gonna happen by you yelling as well you know maybe sit down maybe have a conversation if you really want to get involved since apparently everybody loves to get involved um sit down and ask maybe what's going on why are you fighting what's the conversation communicate start an open dialogue your presence should add calm it shouldn't add more tension. You're you're the you're the adult here. You are the parent, you know. And by forcing, also, if it's younger kids, by yelling at them and forcing them to stop fighting, it doesn't resolve anything, and it doesn't teach them um, skills for healthy confrontation. Think about it. At a young age, and they're doing that, and you yell at them, or you send them to their rooms, or keep it separate, whatever. You're not teaching them any life skills because confrontation is gonna always happen and the best place to learn how to deal with confrontation is at home and all your unhealthy habits that you may get due to confrontation is probably because of at home and you know what (laughs) i love it i love every single point and resonate with it i kind of am a big believer if your children are fighting if your children are arguing um just walk away let them deal with it because at the end of the day for example I can talk about it personally if I'm bickering with my brother or having an argument with my brother we don't need external involvement because you know our argument will happen and it will pass by you know we'll argue about something and then maybe two days later I will go into his room and steal a sweater of his well you know borrow a sweater of his um and it's and we're totally back to normal again or he'll come and ask me a question we don't need parental involvement in it because sometimes it just worsens it right like you don't want the parents taking side even though they're trying to be nice and well or whatever yeah you're gonna make one kid mad no matter what just leave it alone walk (laughs) away it's better Um, for you trust me yeah it's better for you. It's better for you and all the parties involved. Yeah. Um, and then stop asking us rhetorical questions as well, or questions that you know that you know that you have the an- that you, you have, have the, the answers, answers too. That's true. And so when you ask us questions, and you're only going to get a snarky response, especially <laughs> as a reply. Yeah, that's true. If that's the mood, that's what's going to happen. And don't ask questions that you know that you or say things that you yourself don't adhere by, because. Best believe your children will remind you of like where you may basically didn't do it. And I hate that this like it happens. I hate where um, 
parents or adults are kind of like, well, I'm the parent, so I'm allowed to do that, and you're not. So with that said, we are going to leave. Uh, we're going to sign off soon, but real quick, I have no charm. I just needed to say that because rhetorical question, charm, co, that's what you're going to get in and the end. on that note, we are the element here on News Talk Saga 960 AM, um, and we're signing off. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.